so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. Welcome to the revolution. Hope everybody's having a fantastic day today. We are here. We are live. We are the Disciples of Liberty. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for becoming a disciple and make sure you share this show. America's Constitution, is it dead or dying? Do we have any liberties or freedoms left in this nation? This is one of the questions I answer in my book, Origins of Liberty, that you can find at our bookshelf or on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, eBay. You can find it in Kindle format, but you have two questions to ask yourself. Is your freedom given by God and is it unalienable or is it granted by man and government? The way our founders intended our our country to be was that we controlled our country. The American founding fathers, primarily Thomas Jefferson, set out to discover natural law principles that would allow the new American state to govern themselves using sound principles. There was hardly a single idea which the founders put into their formula that someone had not thought of before. They compiled thousands of years of historical fact and philosophies to develop a freedom formula that can bring freedom, peace, and prosperity to any nation who decided to follow it. The formula is based on the laws of nature and of nature's God. The problem is we have decided to turn away from liberty, right? We don't want it anymore. And it's interesting to me because the uh, National Constitution uh, Study Center, Center for Constitutional Study, had printed the 28 ideas that changed the world, the principles of the liberty that the founding fathers granted to us. Number one. The only reliable basis for sound government and just human relations is natural law. If government doesn't believe in natural law, that you are born with inherent liberties and freedoms, then that government is tyrannical. Number two, a free people cannot survive under a Republican constitution unless they remain virtuous and morally strong. Why is that? I want you to ask yourself, do you believe our nation has deteriorated since we have taken the Bible prayer out of schools and since we have allowed immoral things to become moral. That you're going to have to answer for yourself. Number three, the most promising method of securing a virtuous and moral stable people is to elect virtuous leaders. Have we done that? Are there anybody who even runs anymore that can run and win without millions of dollars given to them, and they're already corrupt going in. Number four, without religion, the government of a free people cannot be maintained. 
it was said by our founding fathers that religion gave you a basis for morality. It gave you a basis on why you don't want to steal from your neighbor, why you don't want to harm your neighbor. But a government that has no moral values will do exactly what our government's doing today. They will steal and put massive debt on our posterity. It's amazing to me uh, that people don't put um, two and two together and come up with four and realize that America was always meant to be a Judeo-Christian country. Number five, all things were created by God. Therefore, upon him, all mankind are equally dependent, and to him they are equally responsible. So I get people all the time who want to blame government, folks. We are equally responsible. What are you doing to save your state, your city, your town, your federal government? Are you doing anything? And this is the one that they don't want us to believe. Number six, all men are created equal. Now, when the founding fathers talked about men, they meant all humanity, okay? You have to look at the terminology that they utilized in their era compared to our era. In this era, using the term all men instead of all people are created equal is just racist, and they'll call you white supremacist. Number seven, the proper role of government is to protect equal rights, not provide equal things. This is where so many people have uh, take an issue with government. They want equal things. They want government to take away from those who have been highly successful and give them their fair share. Not understanding that to get your fair share, you have to work for it. This is where we are as a nation. We just believe that because somebody has become wealthy, they must have done it based on theft. And so government taking it from them and giving it to us is okay. Even if they got it through inappropriate means, taking from them is not proper, folks. It's unethical. Number eight, people are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Remember, the right to life, liberty, property, happiness. We all have the same opportunity and those same unalienable rights. But many countries would rather live in slavery, and many Americans today would rather live in slavery than to claim the liberties and freedom that God granted to them in the first place. Number nine, to protect people's rights, God has revealed certain principles of divine law. This is how the Constitution was formed. Divine law, the amendments, all 139, all 10 that was originally done, These are what God gave us, and it's divine. No man can take it away. Number 10, the God-given right to govern is vested in the sovereign authority of the whole people. This is where people also have a problem, especially people elected to office. It's our God-given right to be in charge of the government, not government's God-given right to be in charge of us. When our person sitting in the White House today says that the God-given rights of the First Amendment, Second Amendment are not absolute, he has um, committed treason to our our Constitution and to the oath of office that he swore to, to uphold. Number 11, the majority of the people may alter or abolish a government which has become tyrannical. This is what we don't understand. A hundred million people supported former President Trump. 
Yet we allow government to tell us that we are uh, committing a riot in Washington, D.C. It's our government. We can alter or abolish it at any time. We can separate from this United States and form a new republic and go back to the original intent of the Constitution at any time we decide to unite and do it. Number 11, the United States of America shall be a republic. That one's worth repeating. The United States of America shall be a republic, not a democracy, not a socialist nation, not a communist nation. Our politicians swear an oath under Section 5 of USC Code to uphold, protect, and promote only a constitutional republic. Anybody who mentions any other form of government has violated their oath of office. Number 13, a constitution should be structured to permanently protect the people from human frailties of their rulers. Our constitution was structured to be a permanent law to protect our first, second, and so on, liberties and freedoms that God gave us. Anybody who tries to take them away or changes them, they're unlawful laws. Congress can't make anything that restricts any of the first 10 amendments. And unfortunately, our courts do not recognize the Constitution as the supreme law of the land anymore. So we have a choice. Will we or will we allow them to destroy it? Number 14, life and liberty are secure only as long as the right of property is secure. We don't own property anymore in this nation. They tax you to death. You have taxes. Even after you retire, they control your property. We haven't had secure property in this country for decades, yet nobody gets upset about it. Number 15, the highest level of prosperity occurs when there is free market economy and minimum of government regulations. Our government feels they have to regulate everything. They even want to regulate the way you breathe, how you walk. You cannot walk out your door today without facing some kind of government tax or regulation. Folks, that is just wrong. We are going over the principles of liberty on the Disciples of Liberty Folks, this is important because I've been asked so often recently if we have any liberty left. We have liberty. Do we claim it? That's my answer to these people. What liberty will you defend with your life, with your finances? Will you stand up to a tyrannical government? Most people won't, folks. Most people would rather bend down to a knee and have chains placed upon them for a stimulus check in today's world. The 16th Principles of Liberty. The government should be separated into three branches, legislative, executive, and judicial. Are they truly separate anymore? Does the judicial act independently of political parties? Does our legislative act independently of political parties? Does the executive act independently of political parties? And do any of them act independently from corporate America and big money donors? Answer that question for yourselves and and tell me and tell yourself, are we operating this country as it should be operated? Or have we allowed it to just go totally awire with people just doing the wrong things? Number 17, 
a system of checks and balances should be adopted to prevent the abuse of power. That's what the founding fathers wanted to do. They wanted to give us checks and balance. Well, folks, you are the final check and balance. You are the determining factor of whether or not this country will succeed or fail as a constitutional republic. And most people don't want to accept that responsibility. Number 18, the unalienable rights of the people are most likely to be preserved if the principles of government are set forth in a written constitution. We have that. But we've allowed government to operate outside of the bounds of the written constitution. They will try to tell you that the constitution is antiquated, that it wasn't meant for our time. It was meant for all time. It was meant to restrain government, not people, folks. Number 19, only limited and carefully defined powers should be delegated to government, all others being retained in the people themselves. You hold all the power. Every single one of you. We are the government's bosses, but we tend to forget that all the times. Number 20, efficiency and dispatch require government to operate according to the will of the majority, but constitutional provisions must be made to protect the rights of the minority. See, this is a problem we have today. Everybody feels if they can have the loudest voice, if they can get mainstream media to back them up in their efforts for whatever cause they have, then they have the right to abuse anybody else they see fit. But government is restrained by the Constitution. That document restrains government and stops people from violating the liberties of somebody else. This is what people of race do not understand. They have the same rights. Martin Luther King and others marched for those rights. Yet they've always allowed government to hold them back. Number 21, strong local self-government is the keystone to preserving human freedom. How strong is your local government? How strong is your self-government? Are you involved? Are you participating? And I don't mean just casting a vote for the person who has the sexiest 30-second commercial. I mean, are you actively out there verifying that the person who you have voted into office is doing things to restore your liberty and freedom? Number 22, and this one is vitally important for where we are today. A free people should be governed by law and not by the whims of men. Now, we allow government all the time to just go about whatever whimsical thing they want, whatever passion they feel they have, they, they are able to destroy uh, liberties, constitutional rights, whatever they want, because they believe they can operate and control your life better than you can, better than God can, and better than the Constitution can direct. Number 23, a free society cannot survive as a republic without a broad program of general education. Now, this didn't say a national education system where New York's values or California values are forced upon small-town Utah or Texas or Oklahoma or North or South Dakota. This means that 
a broad program of general education. That means teaching the Bible. That means teaching the Constitution. We do not do that anymore because they don't want our children to understand liberty and freedom. Number 24, a free people will not survive unless they stay strong. That means stay committed to the Constitution. Stay strong enough to not back down to government when they utilize force with police or military or National Guard. Number 25, peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations. Entangling alliances with none. We allowed that to go out the door decades ago. We built China. We created Russia. We helped Europe get back on its feet. We wanted to entangle ourselves with the UN. We have entangled ourselves with the World Trade Organization, with NATO. We were never intended by our founding fathers to combine with these forces outside of our nation and have this world opinion board that gets to um, talk about whatever they want to talk about and tell America what we're doing right or wrong. Number 26, the core unit which determines the strength of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect its integrity. Is government trying to foster the integrity of family today or are they trying to destroy it? Remember, it takes a village to raise a kid. Let the school teachers educate and train your children. You can't do it yourself, folks. You're not intelligent enough to maintain your own family. And we've bought into it. Number 27, and this one is highly important to where we are today as a nation. The burden of debt is as destructive to freedom as subjugation by conquest. We don't need to lose a military battle to the nations that own our debt. We have allowed a fiat currency to control our monetary system. And banks have gotten rich. The J.P. Morgans, the Goldman Sachs, the Bank of America, they've gotten rich by violating the very intent of the Constitution. And then number 28, and this one is the final one, and you tell me if this was true back then and if it's still true today. The United States has a manifest destiny to be an example and a blessing to the entire human race. See, America wasn't intended to be identical to the rest of the world. We always were intended to be that beacon of life light to to have others look at us and say this is what i want to be this is who i want to be now one of the questions that was answered back when i was in school in 1984 a detailed study was made of thousands of political documents and speeches written and given in the founding period between 1760 and 1805 what this study was for is to identify who influenced the founding fathers. See, people think they just came up with everything on a whim. They didn't. They were influenced by writings of very important people throughout history. They called them enlightened people. And the Bible was one of those. The majority of what they found and what they utilized in creating our government was from the Bible. Another person that was uh, highly influential to the founding fathers was Polybus. 
Polybus was Greek, but spent most of his life in Rome and compiled 40 volumes on the rise of the Roman Republic. He addressed the oft-asked question of which type of government was the best and concluded that each of the three, a monarchy, aristocracy, and democracy, has their advantages and therefore a mixed government containing elements of all three would be the best. This is how the Founding Fathers came up with a republic. Then you have Marcus Cicero, the only Roman political writer who exercised enduring influence throughout the ages, is Cicero. He studied law in Rome and philosophy in Athens. He became the leading lawyer of his time and also rose to the highest office of state. He encouraged the people to stay with natural law as the basis for government. He was very important to the founding fathers, Adams and Jefferson. Sir Edward Coke, he lived from 1552 to 1634. He was an English judge who constantly held that the king lacked constitutional authority to add or change the common law. He was eventually removed from the bench and wrote his famous Institutes of the Laws of England. He was an untiring advocate for the belief that human rights belong to all freemen, not just the higher class of nobles. John Locke, one of the people I cherish the most, 1632 to 1704. He lived about 100 years before the founders. He inspired a whole generation of Americans concerning thoughts on independence and the rights of man. He was born to a Puritan family and was staunch and fervent Christian. He valued the characteristics of human reason and used his reasoning powers to arrive at Christian truths, including the necessity of recognizing the existence of God. In his first treatise on government, he cited the Bible 80 times. Baron Charles Montesquieu, 1689-1755. He was left a fortune by a wealthy uncle, which he used to undertake 20 years of study on law and government. He traveled extensively and wrote his famous book, The Spirit of Laws, described as one of the greatest books of the French 18th century. In it, he picked up some ideas of the Greek writer, Polybus, concerning a mixed constitution and advocated a system of government with a separation of powers. The founders of America provided an opportunity to put Montesquieu's ideas into practice and was referred to them as the celebrated Montesquieu. William Blackstone, the author of the most famous treatise on the common law of England, was William Blackstone. It is said that more copies of Blackstone's commentaries were sold in America than in England, but his commentaries were in the offices of every lawyer. That um, candidates for the bar were routinely examined on Blackstone and was cited Uh, authoritatively in the courts, and that a quotation from Blackstone settled many legal arguments. James Madison said, I very cheerfully express my um, appreciation of the proposed editions of Blackstone's commentaries. And then finally, Adam Smith. These are the seven people I really want you to study. He wasn't quoted extensively by the founders, but certainly read and revered for his wealth of nations. Smith was the first to author a book in 1776 describing the natural laws of free market economics, wherein individuals choose their own vocations, 
and compete in the marketplace for jobs and profits. Government's role in the economy is to prevent force, fraud, monopoly, and debauchery. I want you to study these people. I want you to open your minds and take the path that the founding fathers took. I didn't mention a lot of the Bible there because the Bible is listed in my book, Origins of Liberty, and it asks asks those two questions, and I want you to answer those questions to yourself, folks, because you need to. You're listening to the America Out Loud Network. Why the America Out Loud Network is so important is because it gives us a place to voice and have conversations about liberty and freedom without advertisers that get nervous about what we say and do. We don't take on advertisers who want to limit us on what to do. So the advertisers we have on our show that you're going to be hearing and I want you to support, support freedom just like you do. Also find any of the other uh, talk show hosts on America Out Loud. Share their shows on your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook, your LinkedIn. It's vitally important that we share these shows and start having these conversations about liberty. Folks, I get it. It's uncomfortable to talk about liberty and freedom. It's uncomfortable to mention it to your family. But if you can't mention liberty and freedom to your family, how are we ever going to defend this nation from the people who want to destroy it? This is is vitally important that we have these conversations and we don't back down just because the labels they place upon us. Our founding fathers were labeled domestic terrorists by England. They were labeled uh, treasonous. They had death warrants issued for them, arrest warrants. They had their property seized, their finances seized, yet they never gave up the cause of liberty. Will you? Will you walk away from liberty and freedom just because you're threatened, just because mainstream media wants to paint you as something that we're not. All we care about is what established this nation. All we want our politicians to do is recognize that they are controlled by the rule of law and us and not have free will to oversee and destroy what's left of our liberties. I'll see you on the other side, folks. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. As we celebrate our five-year anniversary, America Out Loud has expanded its mission through a newly designed website with a host of new contributors, all carrying a vibrant message of hope and survival for this country we love. 
www.thinkoutloud.com. Together, we'll secure the future for generations to come. Welcome back to the Disciples of Liberty. I hope you're having a fantastic day. The question we're trying to answer today is Americans' Constitution dead or dying? Is it alive in your heart? That's the question I want to ask. If the Constitution's alive in your heart, and if you're willing to sacrifice to protect it, it's still alive. The problem with the Constitution today is most of the people we've elected to represent and protect the Constitution don't care about it. John Adams said, the Constitution is the greatest single effort of national deliberation that the world has ever seen. This was in the miracle of Philadelphia when the Constitution came together. Washington said, it appears to me little short of a miracle that the delegates from so many different states should unite in forming a system of national government so little liable to well-founded objections. So many other great quotes from the Founding Fathers. And one of the best books that I have ever read and helped me study and prepare was The 5,000-Year Leap. So many researchers participated in the creation of that book. And it's time to get back to the basics, folks. The goal of life is not really space travel, backyard swimming pools, glider planes, entertainment extravaganzas, big fast cars, or thrill pills. What human beings are really seeking is individual happiness, self-realization. Human happiness thrives only in a certain kind of environment. The prerequisites for that environment are being destroyed. Many millions, tens of millions of people, the ones who voted for um, Biden, just don't understand what's happening to them because it hasn't been taught. They just know they're not genuinely happy. And so they look to the media and ask the media, why am I not happy? And the media says, well, it's because of those people who love the Constitution. It's because of those um, racists, those white supremacists, those conservatives, those religious zealots. The answer to most of the problems is pretty simple, folks. Return to the fundamentals. Get back to basics. Nothing in this life is ever going to be perfect. But it can be much more gratifying and a lot less dangerous if we can get back to the fundamentals that provided the amazing leap that took us to where we are today in the first place. Last half hour, I went over the the 28 principles that the founding fathers believed they needed to utilize in order to make a good government. Part of the genius of the founding fathers was their political spectrum or what they utilized as a political frame of reference. The yardstick they used for measuring of political power in any political system of government. They had a much better political yardstick than one that's generally used today. 
if the founders had used the modern way of measuring uh, the political spectrum, they would say it's communism on the left and fascism on the right. They would have never found the balance center which they were seeking with the Constitution. I need somebody to answer to me what exactly is a left and what exactly is a right. It is extremely unfortunate that media and politicians today have undertaken to measure various issues in terms of political parties instead of political power. No doubt in anybody's mind that the American founding fathers would have considered uh, the modern measuring stick that's being used today by media and politicians as objectionable, even meaningless. Today, as we mentioned, it is popular in the classroom and as well as the press referred to communism on the left and fascism on the right. People in political parties are often called leftists or rightists. If you're listening to this show, you're probably considered far right. Now they use far right or far left or liberal or conservative. The public don't really understand what they're talking about. These terms actually refer to the manner in which the various parties are seated in the parliaments of Europe. The radical revolutionaries, usually the communists, occupy the far left. The military dictatorships, such as the fascists, are on the far right. Other parties are located in between. Measuring people and issues in terms of political parties has turned out to be uh, America's downfall. Uh, And it's been misleading to the people of this nation. This is because the platforms or positions of political parties are often superficial and structured on shifting sand. Um, I I use the uh, pig TVs, uh, Pete the Pandering Pig. Uh, how politicians like Mitt Romney from Utah will uh, shift their points of views depending on the audience they're talking to. Uh, The platform of a political party of one generation can hardly be recognized by the next. I can't say that the Republicans I grew up with in school are similar in any way to the Republicans today. Uh, Republicans of the 1980s cared about the Constitution a little more. They cared about patriotism a little more. Uh, They cared about preserving freedom a little more. The Democrats even cared in the 1980s more about the Constitution than Democrats do today. Democrats today only want to destroy and bring socialism to our nation. Government as defined in in a dictionary, as a system of ruling or controlling. And therefore, the American founding fathers wanted political systems in terms of the amount of power or systematic control which a particular system of government exercises over its people. In other words, the yardstick is not political parties, but political power. We have to look at Uh, not the parties, but the power, in which way these people are leaning. Like Biden and Kamala Harris and AOC, they lean far left. They want socialism or communism in America. The American founders basically considered the two extremes, one to be anarchy with no government and tyranny on the other hand. 
And the one extreme of anarchy, there is no government, no law, no systematic control, and no governmental powers. While the other extreme, there is too much control, too much political oppression, too much government, or as labeled by our founding fathers, tyranny. The object of the people who created this nation was to discover the balance center between those two extremes. So when people tell me I'm far right, I like to tell them, no, I'm sort of in the middle. I care about the rule of law. I care about the Constitution that regulated and controlled government. They recognize that, uh, our founders, that chaotic confusion of anarchy, there is no law. Whereas the other extreme, the law is totally dominant by the ruling power and is therefore ruler's law. We live in a world today that Biden and the Democrats want us to believe that it's ruler's law, that we have no say. They make all the choices, they spend all the money, they dictate how our lives will be. What the founders wanted to establish was the middle, the people's law, the Constitution, where the government is kept under the control of who? We, the people. And the political power is maintained at the balance center with enough government to maintain security, justice, and good order, but not enough government to abuse the people. So if you had to draw a graph, you would have 100% ruler's law is 100% tyranny. That's where we're at today. On the other side, you have no law, anarchy, which you have no rights. And in the middle, we have people law, right? So ruler's law, where we're at today, and what the founding fathers feared the most was a tyrannical monarchy. Here are the basic characteristics of ruler's law. Authority under ruler's law is nearly always established by force, violence, and conquest. Therefore, all sovereign power is considered to be in the conqueror or his descendants. The people are not equal, but are divided into classes and are all looked upon as subjects to the government. The entire country is considered to be the property of the government and We are just members of government's realm. The thrust of governmental power is from the top down, not from the people upward. The people have no unalienable rights. The king, Biden, giveth, and the king, Biden, taketh away. Government is by the whims of men, not by the fixed rule of law, which the people need in order to govern their affairs with confidence. The government issues edicts, which are called the law. They then interpret the laws and enforce it the way they want, thus maintaining tyrannical control over the people. Under ruler's law, problems are always solved by issuing more edicts or laws, setting up more bureaus, harassing the people with more regulations, and charging the people for these services by continually adding to the burden of taxes. Freedom is never looked upon as a viable solution to anything. The long history of ruler's law is one of blood and terror in both ancient and modern times. Under it, the people are put into an aristocracy by the ruler's retinue, while the lot of the common people is one of perpetual poverty, excessive taxation, stringent regulations, and the continuous existence of misery. Where do you feel we're at today, folks? Why were the founding fathers of America so attracted to people's law? 
Well, it's, it's in direct contrast to the har- harsh oppression of ruler's law. Particularly Jefferson admired the institutes of freedom under people's law, as originally practiced among the Anglo-Saxons. As one authority of Jefferson points out, Jefferson's great ambition at the time, 1776, was to promote a renaissance of Anglo-Saxon primitive institutions on the new continent. Thus presented, the American Revolution was nothing but um, a reclamation of the Anglo-Saxon birthright of which the colonists had been deprived by a long trend of abuses. Nor does it appear that there was anything in this theory which surprised or shocked his contemporaries. Adams apparently did not disprove of it, and it would be easy to bring in many similar expressions of the same idea in documents of the time. Now, what was the Anglo-Saxon common law or people's law? The principles might shock you. Um, The New York-Oxford University Press, 1962, um, printed this. Number one, they considered themselves a commonwealth of free people. Freeman is the term they used. All decisions and the selection of leaders had to be with the consent of the people. Preferably by full consensus, not just a majority. Boy, wouldn't that be impressive today. Number three, the laws by which they were governed were considered natural laws given by divine dispensation and were so well known by the people they did not have to be written down. Number four, power was dispersed among the people and never allowed to concentrate in any one person or group, even in time of war. The authority granted to the leaders was temporary, and the power of the people to remove them was direct and simple. Number five, primary responsibility for resolving problems rested first of all with the individual, then the family, then the tribe or community, then the region, and finally the nation. They were organized into small, manageable groups where every adult had a voice and a vote. They divided the people into units of 10 families who elected a leader, then 50 families who elected a leader, then hundreds of families who elected a leader, and then 1,000 families who elected a leader. They believed the rights of the individual were considered unalienable and could not be violated without risking the wrath of divine justice as well as civil retribution by the people's judges. The system of justices was structured on the basis of Severe punishment unless there was complete reparations to the person who had been wronged. There were only four crimes or offenses against the people. These were treason by betraying their own people, cowardice by refusing to fight or failing to fight courageously, desertion. They were considered capital offenses, and other offenses required reparations to the person who had been wronged. They always attempted to solve problems on the level where the problem originated. If this was impossible, they went to no higher than absolute necessary to get a remedy. Usually only the most complex problems involving the welfare of the people or large segment of the people ever went to the leaders for solutions. So the contrast between ruler's law, where we're at today, all power in the government, and people's law, all power in the people, is illustrated um, in the 5,000-year leap. I want you to look it up. It's a pyramid and an upside-down pyramid. All power with the people starts with the individual, goes to the family, goes to the municipal, uh, provincial, state, and then national. 
on the reverse triangle upside down, all power is in the ruler, then the state, then the municipality, then the family, then the individual. individual. Our founders gave us the power. This is what government never want you to recognize. This is why once we finally organize the Disciples of Liberty, I want you to get those 10 people in your house. I want you talking about liberty and freedom. Then I want you to get 50 people. Then I want you to get 100. And I want you to grow these groups of Disciples of Liberty. And I want you to learn about freedom. Because, folks, they took away President Trump because they didn't want us to be able to unite. We have to unite. We don't need leaders. Every person is your own leader. Every person is um, in charge of their own liberty and freedom. This is what we have to recognize. We have a government that was instituted to put us with the power, right? It was the original intent of the founders to have both the ancient Anglo-Saxons represented on the official seal of the United States and the Israelites. The members of the committee were Jefferson Adams and Benjamin Franklin. They recommended that one side of the seal show the profiles of two Anglo-Saxons representing Hingis and Horsa. These brothers were the first Anglo-Saxons to bring their people to England around AD 450 AD and introduce the Institutes of People's Law into the British Isle. Uh, it turned out that uh, the seal was created, and uh, they, they had a struggle. But if you look at the original seal that was proposed, and, and do this, look at the original seal of the United States pro- proposed by Jefferson, Adams, and Franklin. I don't even know if you can find it on the Internet today. The founders had a massive struggle trying to establish people's law in the balance center. In the Federalist Papers, number nine, Hamilton refers to the sensation of horror and disgust, which arise when a person studies the histories of those nations that are always in a state of perpetual vibration between the extremes of tyranny and anarchy. Washington also refers to the human struggle, wherein there is a natural and necessary progression from the extreme of anarchy to the extreme of uh, tyranny. Franklin noted that there is a natural inclination in mankind to a kingly government. He said it gives people the illusion that somehow a king will establish equality among citizens and that they, like Franklin, great fear was that the states would succumb to this gravitational pull towards a strong central government symbolized by a royal establishment. Franklin went on to say, I am apprehensive, therefore perhaps too apprehensive, that the government of these states may be in future times and in a monarchy. But this catastrophe, I think, may be long delayed. If in our proposed system we do not sow the seeds of contention, faction, and tumult by making our post of honor places of profit. See, they didn't want politicians to get paid massive amounts of money because profit would lead to corruptions. So the founders had this massive task to somehow solve the enigma of the human tendency to rush headlong from anarchy to tyranny. The very thing which later happened under the French Revolution, right? 
How could the American people be constitutionally structured so that they would take a fixed position at the balanced center of the political spectrum and forever maintain a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, which would not perish from the earth at all? It took them from 1607 to 1787 to come up with their American formula. In fact, just 11 years before the Constitutional Convention at Philadelphia, the Founding Fathers wrote a constitution which almost caused them to lose the Revolutionary War. The Articles of the Confederation did not give um, enough government. It was too close to anarchy. It did not commence as a war for independence, but was originally designed merely to protect the rights of the people from an arrogant, oppressive, and tyrannical king. Nevertheless, the spring of 1776, it was becoming apparent that a complete separation was going to be the only solution for the American people. It was interesting that even before the Declaration of Independence, the Continental Congress appointed a committee on June 11, 1776 to write a constitution. John Dickerson served as a chairman of the committee and wrote a draft based on a proposal made by Benjamin Franklin in 1775. However, the states felt that Dickerson's so-called Articles of Confederation gave too much power to the central government. They therefore hacked away at the draft until November 15, 1777, and when they proclaimed that the new central government would have no powers whatsoever except those expressly authorized by the states and that the states did not expressly authorize much of anything. Wouldn't it be nice today if the states were in control? Because the Founding Fathers went with the original intentions of the Articles of the Confederations and want too much power. Biden wants absolute power. The Democrats want absolute power. So not one of the Founding Fathers could have come up with the much-needed constitutional formula by themselves, right? The delegates who attended the convention knew it. In that very moment, the states were bitterly divided. Uh, the, con- uh, the continental dollar was inflated almost out of existence. The economy was deeply depressed, and rioting had even broken out. New England threatened to secede, and both England and Spain were standing close by, ready to snatch up the United States once we fell apart. Writing a constitution under these circumstances was a frightening experience. None of the delegates had expected the convention to require four tedious months. In fact, within a few weeks, many of the delegates, including Madison, were living on borrowed funds. They couldn't even fund themselves living in Philadelphia to discuss the constitution anymore. They didn't think it would take that long. From the opening day of the convention, it was known that the brainstorming discussions would require frequent shifting of positions and changings of mind. Um, that's why a lot of the meetings were held in secret. Now, a lot of people ask me what I think of a, uh, Article 5, uh, Convention of the States. Well, look how hard it was for the Founding Fathers, people who wanted liberty, who wanted freedom for the people, to come up with a good, solid plan. We don't have people like that in our nation today. If we have to rely on legislators from the state, governors from states, or who we have in office today, they'll destroy the Constitution because they do not want a government by the people, for the people, of the people. So there was a process by which the founders struggled to get American, uh, our American 
firmly planted in the balance center of the political spectrum. Madison described the division of labor between the states and the federal government as follows. The powers delegated by the proposed constitution to the federal government are few and defined. Those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. The powers reserved to the several states will extend to all the objects which in the ordinary course of affairs concern the lives, liberties, and properties of the people and the internal order improvement and prosperity of the states. This is the uh, Federalist Paper number 45. Look it up. We are in charge of our government. So when people ask me on Facebook or in person or in email what liberties we have left today, the answer is simple, folks. We have them all. But government don't recognize them. Our government has violated their oath of office. They have put themselves above the Constitution. They swore the oath, but they don't care. Our military needs to recognize this. Our oath keepers, our police, our states have to recognize that government has become corrupt. We need to join Texas with secession. We need to separate. I don't think there's any healing of America today, folks. I, I hate to say it, but unfortunately, the media has done too good a job of separating us as people. There are a minority of people, the ones who voted for Biden when they stole the election, that believe that they can use force, protest, burn cities, and they know the media, Hollywood, the large corporations like Facebook, and the politicians in Washington will take their side in any dispute against the majority, the silent majority of this nation. They know that they can outright destroy us because we're busy. We're busy funding our lives, paying for our kids, um, saving money for college. They are busy protesting, burning, complaining, and basically bitching about their lives instead of trying to improve it. That's harsh, I know. Uh, the truth is harsh, folks. The reason we're in the situation today is because we became complacent. We thought America would always be free, that there's no way our liberties would ever be taken from us. We sat there and watched these uh, political pundits get elected. We've witnessed the AOCs talk about socialism, the Bernie Sanders, violate their oath of office. They should be in prison. Yet we say nothing. Our attorney generals of our state say nothing. Our governors say nothing. Why is it we don't stand up more as conservatives? Why is it we don't fight for liberty and freedom? Why is it uh, we keep um, allowing people to uh, trample us down, smash us into the dirt, and take away everything we believe in? So, yes, the answer is simple. All our liberties remain because they're unalienable by God. They are ours. They're ours to maintain. They're ours to fight for. They're ours to defend, folks. Find the shows that interest you. Share this message. Share it on your Telegraph, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, your Twitter, your Instagram. 
Tell people about the Disciples of Liberty. Let's start growing the organization. If you have something you want me to talk about, email us at, you can email me. I'll give you my email, Tim Alders. That's T-I-M-A-A-L-D-E-R-S at live.com. I'm not going to run and hide from anybody because I want my liberty. I want my freedom. Find other hosts on this network. The other hosts are amazing people. They all have passions. Find hosts that have your passions. But remember, we're all here because we all care about the same thing, liberty and freedom. We all want to fight and defend our nation. This is what makes the America Out Loud Network so important because there are very few media sources that aren't controlled by advertisers. I'll tell you, I I used to be syndicated. I always refused to get paid from radio stations. Radio stations that carried me, carried me without any control over my message. And America Out Loud is like that. They don't bow down to advertisers. They're not going to say, yeah, you tell me um, to tone down the rhetoric. Because it's not rhetoric. People don't like the truth, folks. And until next time, recruit for the Disciples of Liberty. Take care. And may God bless.